all good. It was all overwhelming. Uh, all exciting, but all overwhelming. I can't tell you how many times I thought to myself, this is overwhelming and it's exhausting. It's all good, but it's overwhelming and it's exhausting. I'm so glad that I have a chance to sit here and process it and know that Mike's going to be preaching this morning. And I know that, that God's given him a word that's going to bless us and encourage us. Um, and I'm, I'm just looking forward to resting and receiving from Mike this morning. So thank you for the anointing that they bring in to here every Sunday morning. Thank you for the anointing that you're releasing in Mike right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Would you hand me that? Uh, the whole thing. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't know how many times I've watched the Lord orchestrate things and put things together. Run the song service and the message and the utterances that come forth and you find out that God has a whole picture there and you didn't see it until it was right in front of your face. But he did that again today. Hallelujah. God is good. From the time I got here this morning when we went into prayer, Brother Jackie, you started reading Psalm 57. That... uh, goes right in line with what I believe the Lord wants to say to us today. You see, we're on the verge of something. Something's happening in Granite Shoals. Turn to your neighbor and say, something's happening in Granite Shoals. It is. A few years back, we made a declaration, didn't we, brother? We said, this is Glory Shoals. Now, since then, all hell's broke loose. (laughs) You can expect that when you stand on the Word. You can expect the thief to do what he does, and he does well. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's good at it. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's good at it. That Jesus Christ has come that we might have life and have that more abundantly. My message this morning is change your atmosphere. We are on the verge of having our atmosphere changed. I believe that there is a paradigm shift that is going to take place, not just in glory shows. This nation is ripe for an awakening. It's time for our discipling. Amen. It's time for this country to come to the Lord. And it's time for the church to be the church. 
not the church in the sense that we've normally understood church, but church in the sense that we understand ecclesia and taking it out of here and out into the highways and the byways and the hedges to where people are living and dying every day. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 and 12 gives us some instruction. You all know this scripture. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Father, help us this morning. Open our hearts and open our spirits. Draw deep from your well and pour the anointing into our spirits. Open our spiritual ears. Open our spiritual eyes. Open our hearts that we might receive from you. Help us to change our atmosphere. What kind of atmosphere do you live in? What kind of atmosphere do you live in? What kind of atmosphere is prevalent in the United States right now? What's it like? Chaos. Confusion. Misinformation. Deception. All these things are are rampant. This is what's going on in the world. And there's only one thing that's ever going to change that. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen? Only one thing's ever going to change it. It's when the church becomes the church. When we begin to change our atmosphere, guess what? We're going to have a ripple effect throughout the world. The church has accepted the fact and tried to live down to it. The world's expectation of the church. Keep it inside your building. We don't care what you do in there. We're going to see that change. We're seeing it change. And someday it's going to become the rule, not the exception. Because the church is alive. And it's empowered by the Spirit of God. We've got to get over some things. We've got to get over fear. What would we be doing for God if we weren't afraid? If we didn't have fear, doubt, and unbelief, what could we do? Fear is a common thing. Happens to all. Any of you ever been afraid? Turn to your neighbor and say, You look afraid. No, don't do that. Jacob was afraid. Deliver me, I pray thee, Genesis 32 and 11. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. There may be an area in your heart 
that you don't even like to talk about because fear resides there. You don't tell anybody about it and you don't even tell yourself about it. We somehow get the idea that if... You remember when you were five years old? That monster that lived under the bed? And somehow, if you could just get that sheet over your eyes, it wouldn't matter. You know, we do that with real fear. We may not be five years old anymore, but we still use the same mechanism. We have to deal with our fears, we have to face our fears. We have to realize that we're not in it by ourselves. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You've given me the whole armor of God to put on. I don't have to be afraid. God is by my side. I don't have to be afraid. Sometimes it doesn't run that deep. Sometimes it's just timidity. Moses was timid. Exodus 3.11 Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Sometimes you might have asked yourself, Who am I to do this? You're in a situation in the marketplace and all of a sudden the Spirit of God says to you, Go over, I want you to pray for that man. Or in the case of Alan, Go over, I want you to tell that woman to pray for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you don't do it, not because you're afraid, but because you're timid. And you, you think, well, well, they'll think I just landed from Mars or something. Timidity. Exodus 4.11, excuse me, 4.20. Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since Thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. I I stutter. He had a lot of excuses. Sometimes we make excuses why we don't do what God tells us to do or what we know that God wants us to do. Not because we're afraid, but we're just a little bit timid. You know, that's really not my character, Lord. I'm pretty sure that if God asks you to do something, it's probably going to rub your character the wrong way. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How many of you ever quoted that? If you've quoted it, I'm here to tell you God's going to challenge you on it. And when it happens, you need to walk it on out. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We're talking about changing our atmosphere. The first atmosphere I've got to change is the one that's over me. The one that's over you. You have responsibility. You have authority. You have power to change that. Sometimes there's evil spirits at work. Saul had an evil spirit. 
1 Samuel 16, 14, the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Of course, old Saul had made space for that spirit, didn't he? Sometimes we make space for things that bother us. We have to come face to face with that too, don't we? We have to understand that if we open the door to something, we might have to kick it out. And maybe what we opened the door of unto didn't start out as a bad thing, but it turned into a bad thing. What do we do? We just live with it? A lot of people do. We've got to go a step further. If you've got something that's bothering you, you need to unload it. Because you've been given the power. You've been given the authority. You've been given the armor of God. And you can tell it to leave. You can tell it to leave. Now, it might rub that place the wrong way that that part of it that you like I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of how many of you were doing something that you knew God didn't like, but you did. It happens in our life, doesn't it? Turn to your neighbor and say, I know it happened to you. But we have to take authority over those things, especially when we know that they've been holding us back. evil spirit. Samson's spirit. Whoa. Samson had a spirit, didn't he? Judges 16.4 came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sarek whose name was Delilah. How many of you know that story didn't turn out too good? Samson had a maverick spirit. He said, God, I want to do what you want me to do, but I'm going to do it my way. Or I'm just going to do what i got to do. And if you happen to interfere in my life, well, I'll follow through on it. A lot of maverick spirits at work in the churches today. People that don't understand authority, don't understand leadership, don't understand that God is God and you're not. I'm glad I'm not God. I know there's a whole lot of people that are glad that I'm not God. I have to follow his lead. You have to follow his lead. I can't operate in the kingdom of God. You can't operate in the kingdom of God with a maverick spirit. We have a lot of people that are trying. They're making a mess of things. That's why the church has such a wonderful name today. See, the name of God is glorious. And the job of the church is to uphold the glory, to uphold the name of God, to declare the kingdom of God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's your job. That's my job. If I just decide that I can do that any way I want, well, guess what? You get what you get. I tell people all the time, 
if you do what God tells you to do the way God tells you to do it, there's a good chance you're going to get his results. You do what God tells you to do the way you want to do it, you're going to get what you get. Best if we do it his way. Kick out that Samson spirit, that maverick spirit. Jezebel. Ooh. First Kings 21 and 7. Jezebel, his wife, said unto him, Dost thou now govern the kingdom of Israel? Arise and eat bread and let thine heart be merry. I will give thee the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. Jezebel. Jezebel's alive and well on planet earth and Jezebel is alive and well in the churches. That manipulating spirit. That one that found something somebody else has and wants it. That covets. I think there's something in the Ten Commandments about coveting. Those were the Ten Commandments, weren't they? They weren't the Ten Suggestions. We have to take care of our business. We have to take care of our lives. When my brother prospers, when my sister prospers, I should be able to rejoice for them. Instead of saying, that lucky dog, that could have been me. I wonder how I can get that from him. Jezebel. Alive and well. Jezebel, keeping the church from fulfilling its destiny. Keeping the church from being the church. Lust. David had a problem with lust. And I don't think there's a person here that's ever been immune to that. 2 Samuel 11, 2, it came to pass in an evening tide. David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Starts as a thought. And you begin to let your imagination run wild. And the first thing you know, you're in trouble. What is lust? I think lust is kind of like idolatry, isn't it? It's something that I want more than I want God. It might be a member of the opposite sex. It might be bluebell ice cream. I'm sorry. I could have used something different. Beats, yes. <laughs> Lust. Those things that I want more than I want God. Those things that I want more than I want God's best. And I don't want God's best for me. Oh, I want God's best for me. But I understand that God's best for me is not for me. 
God blesses you so that you can be a blessing. God doesn't bless us so we can line our wallets. God doesn't bless us so that we can be known far and wide. The greatest preacher in the Southwest. What a shallow, measly acceptance of the reality. What does God want from you? He's not there to build your reputation. He's using you to build His kingdom. So those things that we put between us and Him, those things have to go if we intend to change our atmosphere. How do you change your atmosphere? How do you change your atmosphere? You buy a book. Most of you already have it. Amen. See, the Word is the answer. The answer is the Word. His name is Jesus Christ. And He has empowered us. He has anointed us with a heavenly anointing to declare His kingdom. How do you change your atmosphere? You've got to get honest. James 5.16 says, Confess your faults to one another, pray for one another, that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That sounds pretty easy. But you have to get honest. Now some people will argue on that and try to major in minors. I'm not telling my sins to nobody. Doesn't necessarily say your sins, does it? Confess your faults. I'd rather tell you my sins. But none of us are perfect. And we have to confess our faults. I'll I'll tell you one of my faults. I can't do everything God wants me to do. And I know it. That's one of those things preachers wrestle with. You know you've been given a mandate. You know that God has spoken to you and you can't see any way in the world that it's ever going to happen, but I'm here to tell you you can either do all things through Christ who strengthens you or you can't. One of the areas that I think ministry suffers has been in accountability. And brotherhood between those that wear the cloth. We find out pastors need pastors. We need to, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't be here today if I hadn't been praying with this guy. In an atmosphere of prayer, you learn something about people. You find out there's some commonality. One, you find out you're not the only one going through that stuff. And you begin to pray with one another and pretty soon you start loving one another. Wow. That sounds kingdom, doesn't it? Hallelujah. Confess your faults to one another. Pray for one another. 
that you might be healed. The body of Christ needs a healing. We need that accountability. That premise of confessing your faults for, to one another is not just for ministry. It's not just for pastors. It's for the body of Christ. So that we can be healed. So that we can be everything that God has called us to be. So that we can change the atmosphere. Galatians 5.1, if any of you were here Wednesday night, you remember Brother Randy brought that scripture up. It's one of my anchor scriptures. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. What a powerful, powerful scripture. The New American Standard says it was for freedom that Christ has set you free. Hallelujah. You're never going to change the atmosphere as long as you're in bondage. When I came to Jesus, I don't think there was anybody that could have been in more bondage. I'm sure there may have been, but from where I was sitting... I was about as worthless as they come. Nasty biker. Drug addict. Alcoholic. Wasted. Miserable. The reality of that scripture came to me as the Lord set me free he delivered me he delivered me I've had people say to me boy you must have had a lot of willpower no I had none I had a desire to be set free and had no clue how it was ever going to happen stand fast Therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Oh, I didn't set me free. Jesus set me free. Revelation, lightning bolts. Revelation hit. Everything that you've ever received from God, you received first by revelation. Before you understood the reality of it, you got the revelation of it. You may not know how it's going to apply to you yet, but you got the revelation. Jesus set me free. Jesus will set you free. And then he tags this on. He says, try not to mess up again. Is that what he said? Try not to mess up again. No, that's not what he said at all. The language is very specific. It's command language. He said, be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Hallelujah. Jesus set me free and told me I didn't ever have to go back. 
Hallelujah. All that stuff. I don't need to list it. I don't want to give the devil any glory. But I want you to know that Jesus Christ set me free. And He allowed me to take all of that stuff and put it behind me and walk in another direction and never, ever, ever worry about it again. I'm here to tell you, when I get up in the morning, I don't wonder if today's the day I'm going to put another shot in my arm. I don't need to wonder if today's the day I'm going to fall off the wagon and start drinking again. I don't need to wonder if today's the day I'm going to smoke a cigarette. Jesus set me free. Why? So I could change my atmosphere. So I could begin to live the life that He's called me to live. So I could begin to walk out the plan that He had for my life. I know the thoughts I have of you. Jeremiah 29 and 11. God didn't set me up so He could take me to the woodshed and spank me. How many of you ever been to the holy woodshed? I have. It's not that he's above that. He's not. He will take you to the woodshed if you need to go. But his plan is so much more perfect than the plan I had for me that you had for you. And he wants to bless you. And he wants his glory proclaimed across this nation. Glory Shoals. Let me tell you, Glory Shoals isn't a molehill compared to the mountain of the United States. But we're going to flatten it. We're going to flatten it. We're going to declare His kingdom. We are going to walk as full-blooded, fully anointed children of God and declare the glory of the Lord. And see, glory shows spread. Just like other places all across this country. I know Jackie listened to testimonies from every corner of the world where the same thing is happening. You know, God's doing something, but He's doing the same something all over this country, all over this world, all over this planet to declare His kingdom. Ephesians 4, 29-32 Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good for the use of edifying that it might minister grace unto the hearers. Let me tell you about old brother so-and-so. Did you know what he did? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. You know that other church that has problem with gossip? We don't even want to talk about them. But let me tell you something. What was it they said in World War II? Loose lips sink ships. Sink churches too. The Bible says that if you catch a brother in a fault, it says those of you that are spiritual, restore such a one 
doesn't say talk about them. Let all grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Did you hear what Jackie was praying right before he left the piano? Did you hear the challenge that went out from the platform? Those obstacles, those mountains malice, wrath, unforgiveness. Those are the things we have to deal with and we have to deal with them. If we intend to become the body of Christ that Christ wants, we have to deal with them. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for somebody else. You got to point to that mountain and say, get out of my way. Get out of my way. Because none of that came from God. It all came from the devil and it all has a purpose. To render the body of Christ as ineffective as possible. We're going to see the day when the church rises up and says, thus says the Lord and everybody listens. You say, well, that's a pipe dream. No, that's a mountain. And we say to that mountain, get out of the way. There's some place I'm going and you're in the way. Get out of the way. Because I have a mandate. Because you have a mandate. We are either going to walk as children of the world or we're going to walk as children of God. And I choose to walk as a child of God. change our atmosphere get rid of the chaos oh that seems like such a big mountain it is but I've got that faith you've got that faith I'm so glad for what you said about the mustard seed no it's not very big but it doesn't matter how big the mustard seed is It doesn't matter how big the mountain is. It matters how big God is. How big is the God that you serve? What is your concept of God? See, the God I serve created the heavens and the earth. What can He do? What can He do? He can do anything. What does He want to do for you? What does He want to do for me? Well, He wants to fulfill the calling and the anointing. He wants to bless you. He wants to pour out blessings upon you as you declare His kingdom, as you walk through this world. Not as a child of the world, but as a child of God. This world is not my home. God didn't put you here. God didn't put me here to see how much money we could make and how fat our retirement account would be. Nothing wrong with any of that. Just don't let it get between you and God. Do what God's called you to do. Declare His kingdom. John 8.32 says, You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. 
The truth has a name. His name is Jesus Christ. And the way that we get to know Him, read His Word, sing His praises, fellowship with your brothers and sisters, love one another unconditionally, go for motorcycle rides, yeah. Randy and I have discussed the fact that God probably has a really nice Harley Davidson. (laughs) Where did the motorcycle come from? Well, God put the concept in somebody's mind. I bet he's got a really nice one. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. When you know something, when you know that you know that you know that you know, who can talk you out of it? If the Son therefore sets you free, you shall be free indeed. Hallelujah. We need to change the atmosphere over our lives, over our churches over the church of Jesus Christ in 21st century America. We need to change the atmosphere so that we can stand up and declare, thus saith the Lord, with all of the authority and all of the anointing that that means. We need to serve notice on the devil. His day's done. His day's been done for 2,000 years. before he departed this world in his earthly body, hanging on the cross on Golgotha, Jesus Christ said, it is finished. The battle's over. Your battle is over. It was for freedom that Christ has set you free. Free to be who He's called you to be. Free to walk in the fullness of the anointing as a child of God. Free to declare, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done right here. Right here. Right here. Speak to that mountain. Tell it to get out of the way. Change your atmosphere. The world is waiting on us. The world is waiting on the church. They may not know it yet, but they are. They're waiting on the church. And the church is time to arise to the fullness of our destiny as children of God. You believe it? Do you receive it? Let's pray. Father, you've bathed this whole service with your presence. Your spirit has run through everything that has been done here this morning. And I just bless your name. I bless your name. Father, thank you for the authority that you've imparted to each one of us. If there is anyone here that has struggled on any of these lines... 
Thank you, Lord, that you've already answered. Thank you, Lord, that you've already released the anointing. Thank you, Lord, that you've already released the authority. And you have broken the chains of bondage. And we can change our atmosphere. Not because of anything that we say or do, but because of everything that you've said and done. You are the reality. You are the reality. Help us to change our atmosphere. Help us to declare your kingdom. We'll be so careful to thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. God bless you.